Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, thy well-beloved spouse, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's great to be a Catholic in this first couple of days of the month of November, because we celebrate the doctrine of the communion of the saints these first two days. Saints understood in the broader concept of the word, all those who are in a state of sanctifying grace, those in heaven, we on earth, those in purgatory. Today we celebrate the feast of all saints. Not only those saints who are canonized, who know our saints, but all the saints who are in heaven, those who don't know if they're there yet, we pray for them. And <clears throat> tomorrow we celebrate the feast of the commemoration of all souls. We remember to pray especially in this month of November, to pray for those poor souls trying to obtain indulgences on their behalf to help them get to heaven. That's the community of the saints. We help them get to heaven, they pray for us. In our Catholic faith, traditionally, there are three stages, say steps, or stages of the spiritual life. The first stage is the purgative stage where one really turns away from sin, a metanoia, and embraces the gospel, stops leading a sinful life in order to lead the life of Christ. The second stage is the illuminative stage, where we're trying to walk on that, that road that Jesus showed us, but <clears throat> we aren't there yet perfectly, there's still a lot of self-love in us left, a lot of impatience, a lot of venial sins, maybe. And then there is the unitive stage, where a soul is united in a mystical marriage with Christ here on earth, and self-love is all but gone. And we live our life for Christ. As St. Paul said, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. If we die in those first two stages, then, assuming we die in a state of grace, then we will end up in purgatory. And there we must be purified of any attachments to sin, any self-love that's left in order to see God. Nothing impure can enter into it. That's what the book of Revelation tells us. We can't enter God until we're completely pure, freed from self-love, attachments to any sins, and purgatory is really God's mercy because if it weren't for purgatory, many more souls would never see God because most people die even in a state of grace with attachments to sin. And <clears throat> people sometimes ask, well, why is there this purgatory? Well, as I just explained, we need to be purified of self-love. I heard a priest at a funeral homily a couple of months ago for his brother-in-law. I happened to be there because I knew the brother-in-law. He, he threw this out to people as to explain why we have to pray for this person who would die. He said, um, how many of you would want to spend eternity with the people you live with? Husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, parents and children. Would you want to spend eternity with them just the way they are now? Ooh, I think 
that's a scary thought. I don't think anyone would want to spend eternity with me the way I am now. That's why we need to get cleaned up before we get to heaven. Otherwise, heaven wouldn't be heaven. It would be a purgatory for us, okay? So we need to get cleaned up before we get to heaven. And <clears throat> we need to walk on that road to perfection, strive toward that unitive state where self-love is gone. That's difficult because we fall into bad habits and our self-love, our pride, whatever, impatience. I'll just mention, give an example of this. Okay, yesterday, <clears throat> after the morning mass, I, I taught for a couple of hours catechists. Then I got back to my room and saw a phone call. I had to go to the, the hospice alliance. Someone was near death to anoint them. And I was kind of in a hurry because I had afternoon mass, confessions for afternoon mass. So I'm always in a hurry. Aren't we all always in a hurry driving? Yes. Okay, so I'm going down H, going to um, 75 there to make a right-hand turn to go turn in behind uh, St. Cat's, St. Catherine's Hospital. <clears throat> and I'm trying to make that light because I see uh, the light is about to change. And there are all kinds of cars on the left and I'm in a hurry. And I just missed it by a few seconds. The light changed and um, the car started moving and I could not make my right-hand turn. And it seemed like a short eternity all these cars that seemed to be backed up all the way up the hill, and I waited, you know, it seemed on and on, thinking to myself, why are all these people on the road today on Saturday, okay? Well, <clears throat> I blew an opportunity there, you see, to sanctify the moment, just to offer up that little sacrifice. St. Teresa, the little flower, or the saints wouldn't have done this. They would say, okay, Lord, you, you will this, and you want me to wait, I'll just offer this up, but I, I missed that opportunity. So I thought afterwards, next time I'm going to really try to offer that up when I'm driving, which is very difficult for me to do, but just, just an example of how I am not yet perfected to enter into the state of glory, and I'm looking forward to purgatory. I'm a realist, you see. Well, <clears throat> we have to strive for that perfection. To be saints, what is a saint? It comes from a Latin word, a Greek word, hagios. It means holy. The saints are those who are holy. And how do we become holy? Well, Jesus is our perfect model here. All the saints, including the Blessed Virgin Mary, all follow Jesus. He is the one who is all holy, all perfect. And Jesus shows us the way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And in order to help us on the way to, to that holy state, that unitive state, Jesus gives us the Beatitudes. That's our gospel today. The beginning of the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus begins his, well, I'll say this, the Beatitudes are, are ways of perfection, how to follow Christ perfectly. They're a complement to the commandments, but really if we're striving for perfection, we want to, to live these Beatitudes, because Jesus himself did. And I'm not going to go through all of them today, but I'll touch on a few. You know, happy the, or blessed the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Well, 
doesn't mean we're lacking spirituality in some way. Poor in spirit, poverty in spirit is humility. And humility is the first of the Beatitudes because it's the virtue that counters pride, which is really the root of all sin. Pride is the exaltation of self over others, even over God. Whenever we sin, it's really pride. We're telling God, I'm going to do things my way. To quote the famous words of an Italian singer. I don't know if he meant it that way, but um, no, we have to do things God's way. And we need humility. Humility is, well, one way of defining it, humility is acknowledging who God really is and who we really are. St. Catherine of Siena, the great doctor, she's up there, by the way, that's her statue, okay, one of the patrons of Italy, she said, God is he who is, and I am she who is not. Humility helps us to realize that anything we have, material goods, intelligence, good looks, athletic ability, it's all meant to glorify God, not us. And this was the way of Jesus. He did everything to glorify the Father, especially his suffering and death on the cross. His whole life was directed toward that, to glorify the Father through his sacrifice. If you look at Mary's Magnificat, my soul doth magnify the Lord, not me. Did Mary say that? No. Her soul, all her gifts and graces, were meant to magnify, glorify God. So we need to practice humility to become those saints that God wants us to be. Uh, blessed are the meek. Oftentimes, meekness is misunderstood. It does not mean weakness. Father Hardin, the great catechist of the last century, who hopefully will one day be a saint soon, he defined meekness as strength tempered by love. The meek person is not weak, the meek person is strong. Jesus said, learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. And to be meek, we have to have strength. Meekness is gentleness in the face of, of when we want to get angry and strike back at someone. And Jesus showed us this by his willingness to undergo his passion and death. And then finally, the last beatitude is instructive as well, because it tells us that we are blessed when people insult us and persecute us and utter every kind of slander against us falsely on account of Christ. From a worldly perspective, people would think, well, I should feel sorry for myself or feel bad if I'm being spoken of in a bad way or persecuted. Jesus says, no, don't be saddened. Rejoice, be glad, because your reward is great in heaven. This means, basically, we have to take up our cross, to be willing to suffer for Christ each and every day, and to be willing to be maligned, to be spoken ill of, to be persecuted, even to shed our life's blood for Christ. We rejoice. We keep our eyes fixed on, on heaven. But St. Bernard, in today's Liturgy of the Hours, the Office of Readings, he speaks of how we have to look forward to joining those saints in heaven, the company of the apostles, the martyrs, the virgins, that we will join them in their glory. Let us pray. 
asking the intercession of all the saints in heaven that we may follow them, inspired by their example, who followed Christ most perfectly in living out those beatitudes or way of attaining eternal happiness, so that we may share with them that eternal glory for which you were made. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.